Hello and welcome to Draw, Lose or Draw, a weekly podcast covering all things Partick Thistle. Joining me this week to look back on Friday's 1-1 draw against Kilmarnock is Jamie McDonald. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. We're going to talk about the game. It's just a shame we couldn't all be there, but a welcome return to the football for all spectators on Saturday. Yep, that's something to look forward to. David Forrest is here. David, how are you? I'm well. Um, I was one of the, the chosen few who actually got to go to the Kelly game. Um, it, was a, it was a really strange experience, but yeah, excited to talk about it. And rounding off our panel this week is Mark Wallace. Mark, how are you? I'm good. Nice to have something to, nice to back on the pod talking about actual football. First time in a wee while. Good stuff. Well, Mark, I'll stick with you then and I'll ask you about the starting 11. There were two changes from the Hamilton game the week previously. Bannigan came back in at the side and Cammy Smith came in with Kyle Turner and Brian Graham dropping out. What did you make of the start 11 when you saw it? Yeah, I was a wee bit kind of taken aback. It's like obviously when you've got two strikers like Rodden and Graham, you always want them playing all the time. But like, well, Graham's been getting subbed off a fair bit recently and like that's not happened to him before so like, there must be some sort of fitness thing there which is fair enough but I was a wee bit taken aback but I wasn't like properly concerned or anything like that when I saw the lineup. and certainly that continued into the first half I thought the first half we were really good yeah I, th- I think McCall probably had the the wind down at Rugby Park in mind where we did line up in that 4-2-3-1 shape with Smith in behind Rudden. It was maybe a wee bit different with a, a three-man midfield. It was more of a 4-3-3, but I think the problems Rudden caused down at Rugby Park that day was probably played on his mind when he was making the selection. Jamie, what about you? What did you think of the starting eleven on Friday night? Similar to Mark about Graham, you know, it's always, I always feel we play best when we've got two strikers on it at once, but there probably was a reason behind it. I don't know if it was, you know, last time we played Kilmarnock, we started with only Rudden up front. Graham was on the bench that day as well, so it's a system McCall feels you can utilise well against Kilmarnock. But I was happy to see that midfield free in the, you know, the trio of uh, Banzo, Doc and Crawford. I had put into the chat during the week that I thought it would be good to actually go with that, go for midfield free of those. Um, and I thought they played well. Uh, I thought Banigan was absolutely outstanding at, uh, on Friday. A fantastic game. Deserved man of match. You know, Doc with a great goal. He played well during the game. And Crawford, you can tell, was slowly coming up to you know his full potential as you said he will be rusty like we said last week he probably isn't at full fitness right now either that's why he'll be getting subbed off but you know he's he's looking good and I think he's there's a lot more to come from him so I was pleased with the starting lineup and we might go with something similar next week McCall might opt you know it's the cup it's kind of hard to tell we're a bit more unpredictable in the cup you know you could rotate the team about a lot but for the Arbroath game I have a feeling he might return to the 4-4 to go for two up top again it's such a huge game in the league we want to making a good start against our bro since we do a pretty bad record against them. David, before we go into the performance you mentioned at the start, that you were one of the lucky 500 inside on Friday night. What was it like in the stadium? Was it weird? Did you enjoy it? Talk us through your experience. Yeah, I mean, certainly, like, we were all sort of ensconced in the Jackie husband, and uh, you you were very much sparsely dispersed it wasn't really that heavily populated you did have lots of space between people and it was quite quiet it, it did feel like you were kind of looking in on an empty stadium game at the start 
I moved from one half one half of the jackass went all the way to the other end up to the go up to the big end, and it was a bit more lively there. It, it, it was very strange for about the first fifteen twenty minutes, but I think people got into. I think people realised that well, we've we've kind of got through a lot on the fan reactions over the season that it is really integral and that the team really responds to it. So people were, and I never thought I'd say this, people were chanting in the GHS and, you know, shouting stuff and all that and kind of getting into it and making it a wee bit of an atmosphere, which, you know, in the Jackie Husband, usually no one can hear you scream. And, like, people were, like, by the end, like, the atmosphere was building up, building up until the penalty, which obviously we'll get on to, and then obviously there was the outrage at that, and then when we were pushing for the, the equaliser, and when we got the equaliser, the crowd was really behind them. It did feel like a thistle crowd of recent times, um, and yeah, it, it, it took them a wee bit of time to get warmed up, but when they got heated up, they, they definitely, I don't know how it translated in TV, I was quite interested to see how it translated in TV, especially because obviously the TV cameras are um, in the Jackie Husband, so you don't really see the fans. You just see empty stadiums. I know uh, there was uh, a bunch of scouts from different clubs and stuff like that that were there in the other stand and things like that. But I didn't know how quite how it translated. But I would certainly say by the end, it definitely felt like a pistol game. It felt like a pistol atmosphere, as opposed to at the start where it felt like an empty stadium game. Yeah, I think it was Tom Hogg tweeted that he he found the atmosphere pretty enjoyable. And he, he wondered how it translated in the television as well. And it, it definitely came across. And as you say, towards the end of the second half, you could hear the crowd. And even in commentary, I thought actually the BBC Scotland coverage was pretty good. I enjoyed Paul Mitchell and James McFadden in commentary. I thought they talked their way through the game very well. But even they commented on the atmosphere being good and, and the Jackie husband stand. And it did come across well on TV. It didn't sound like there were only 500 there, which is, which is good. So well done to everyone that was there and made a bit of a noise. Mark, you weren't there, sadly, but you did catch the game on Friday. What did you make of Thistle's performance? Yeah, um, I thought the first half we were really good, we were really intense. Uh, Tiffany was getting serious joy off of Lee Hodson at the back, his opposite number. First half was really, was really good, but like we've seen so many of those games from us this season where we we do create a lot, but there's not a cutting edge there. Um, second half, I actually thought we were a bit flat. Like It seemed like for a, for a good while, particularly after the uh, the penalty, absolute scandalous decision, by the way, but I, I do think the, the kind of fortuitous nature of Kelly's penalty and taking the lead really was like a massive kick in the stones to the team and we were really properly like struggling to get back into it and like we've seen when we've been up against Derek McInnes teams before uh, how notoriously difficult they are to break down when they've got a lead and it looked for so long like we weren't going to get anything and then I think I said to David uh, after the game it was like it felt like the type of goal that we were going to get to get the equaliser was going to be something spectacular because it just felt like Kelly just they kept they kept us at arm's length fairly well despite maybe not playing that well themselves. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think it was a it was quite a strange game. I don't think Kilmarnock were great, but I definitely agree there was a lull in Thistle's performance for about twenty minutes 
maybe five minutes before the penalty and 15 minutes after. I don't want to spend too long on the penalty decisions because I think referee dis- uh, discussions, especially when it's just audio, is is quite boring. But I take it nobody's got any. I take it nobody's going to dispute Mark's claim that it, it was not a penalty and it was quite a quite a terrible decision. I think Ian McCall described it as a shocker. Nobody's nobody's going to stand up for the referee there. I didn't think so. Jamie, uh, I'll come to you. Who stood out for you in a Thistle shirt on Friday night? Who were the, the main performers in your eyes? Mentioned them earlier, but Bannigan has to be the top one. I thought he was brilliant. Controlled the midfield really well. His distribution was brilliant. He was just so calm and composed in the middle and he just bossed the game and you get a performance like that out of him every week and he's the best midfielder in the league. So, you know, we're we're lucky to have Bannigan in our squads and it's good it's good to see that, you know, yeah, I remember that we were talking about it last season in the podcast, some of the Anzo Penrice hate that used to be around, but there doesn't seem to be any of that left for Bannigan anymore. And I think he's silenced doubters and he's been fantastic this season. I want me that continue. Doc as well, I'm not saying it because he got his goal. I thought, again, he was break great in the midfield. I thought him and Bannigan linked up fantastically like they so often do, but I thought it was a great example of that on Friday night. I thought they had a brilliant game and their partnership really shone through how strong it is. So Lewis Mayo at the back, he was he was solid all day. And the um, obviously the run that created the goal, he just completely carried the ball from deep inside our own half all the way up to the, the edge of their box and laid it off a doctor, obviously unleashed a great strike. And John mentioned the Tiffany as well. As I know he'd probably be, he's probably disappointed of his final ball, but he gave them, you know, he gave them a real headed down that left hand side. He took on the full back and beat him almost every single time with ease. And he was, you know, he was looking like a real threat, a real danger. And it's just a shame that one of his crosses, you know, didn't come to a goal or, you know, nothing huge came from it. But he still was, you know, giving them a night, being a nightmare on that left-hand side. So I thought he had a great game as well. And if he could just, that final ball, he would have, you know, I'm sure he would have gotten a sister to have just been a little bit better. But we know what he can bring. And he's, he has that final ball on him for sure. He's done it multiple times, you think, like to Hamilton and a few other games, you think, in the, the Rafe game that was his cross that resulted in Turner's goal and, yeah, he's, he's, he's a real asset to have him. We're very lucky to have him as well. So I'd, I'd, I'd give those ones a shout out. Yeah, no disagreements here. I really agree with uh, Banningham. I thought he was outstanding on Friday night. And I've seen like a lot of fans say, oh, it's great to have the Banzo of old back. But I think we've had the Banzo of old back since back since nearly around the time Ian McCall came in. I mean, I remember the, the one at Capo when Tam O'Ware scored the winner. And Banningham was outstanding that day. He was the best player on the pitch. And it was around that time fans were, as you say, Jamie, sort of not sure about Bannigan, Penrice. There was a couple of players fans weren't sure about and he never got the praise that he's, he's getting now. I, I don't really know why, because I really think since Ian McCall come in, Bannigan has been probably the outstanding player of McCall's um, second tenure in charge. So it, it was a deserved man of the match uh, performance, I agree with you. And Dockery next to him complimented very well. Deserved goal. David, from your... You and the Jackie Husband stand. Any other players stand out? No, but um, I mean, I, I do have to echo um, the Bannigan shout. I think Bannigan was excellent. Obviously, you were talking about you know, having the Bannigan of old and stuff like that. I genuinely can't remember the last time Bannigan had a game where he was under 8 out of 10 um, outside of like us getting shooed 5 0 or something. But even then, he's usually always. You never say, oh, Bannigan was terrible or whatever. He's always. In a bad game, he's the best player there, and in a good game, he's even better. And it's yeah, he he was fantastic. I did really like Tiffany again. It's just wonderful watching him skin players and take defenders for a ride. It's it's just so much fun to watch. 
absolutely, absolutely loved watching him. And he was having, he was having, getting so much traction, um, in Friday from that. So Barry Green Tiffany would definitely my shout outs. They, they, they were the big ones. Obviously, there was, the, there's been a Rudden chat about where it'll go. I think we, um, we heard that there was a lot of scouts there. I think there was scouts from, I believe, five English clubs. I think it was Hull, Scunthorpe, Preston, Bradford, and another one who I can't remember who were all there. Which is quite interesting because I thought it was only like Premiership clubs that run from. It's also a bit depressing that, you know, we just have a really good player and they'll, they'll go to like some shite Huddy League One team. You do get worried when players have that good a performance when there's so many scouts kicking about that you kind of worry, you kind of hope people have a bit of a shite, te- uh, shite game when people, when the eyes are on them, just to kind of put people off the scent. But, um, but Doherty's touch, uh, I think you can't overstate just how good that touch was. It was a fantastic goal. And yeah, uh, the reaction in this crowd very much echoed how good it was. It, it was fantastic. So yeah, so Brannigan, Tiffany and Doherty were probably my feet. Um, they are, and the touch alone for Doherty was just unreal. I think I'm going to echo your sentiments and Tiffany. I think Jamie's the man that makes the the excellent Twitter threads of of goals and moments from from players, and I think he'll be making one in a few a few years' time of Scott Tiffany moments. I think he's the sort of player we've just got to appreciate while he's here, even when his end product isn't quite on point. He's such an exciting player to watch, and when he's not in the team, it's so noticeable. We'll probably have a period months or years in the future where we don't have a Scott Tiffany type and we'll say, oh, I wish we had Scott Tiffany in the team today. That could have been the difference. I think, yeah, enjoy him while he's here because he's a brilliant watch. Mark, that was the first game since the opening day of the season where we have come from behind to take anything from the game. Do you think that was a good point on Friday night and how do you see the race for promotion shaping up now? In the sort of sphere of going a goal down to a side around about as and coming back to get the, the minimum we deserve, yeah, it's a good point. But having seen the, how the way other results have went, particularly when involving our growth in particular, it's maybe not so good. But we do have the games in hand against Morton and here. And even though those aren't guaranteed, because Morton are looking, pre- Morton have started fairly well under Dougie Emery. So there's no, you can't be taking that for granted. You can't say, oh, yeah, we're going to. Martin and Ayr, that's six points. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. It's very difficult to make up these deficits. We've we've done it before in this league and in the league below, but we're going to have our work cut out, I think. Another instance of where we probably should have won, but didn't, but I don't think is too bad a case of points dropped, if you know what I mean. I'd rather drop points there than, say, against Hamilton against Hamilton like we did last week or Dunfermline or Morton or something like that. Jamie, what about you? Were you happy with a point on Friday? I mean, if you'd offered it to me with like five, four minutes to go, we were one nil down, I'd one hundred percent taken it. But if you look at the piece you can be like you can be slightly disappointed in the fact that it feels like we were kinda of, you know, covered the penalty but kinda of a bit screwed over with that because it wasn't a penalty and you know, they, I know Kelly did have a couple of chances and Ollie Shaw kind of fluffed the lines for a big chance, but you know we had the chance Cammy Smith, which was cleared off the line, and you know, but there was a couple other chances here and there. Um, so we we definitely could walk away feeling like that was a game we could have won. But if you look at the actual game in a whole and overlook the fact that we that penalty shouldn't have stood a point when you're one 0 down at home to a title rival with like four minutes to play, 
you end up getting a draw out of it. It's definitely not a bad thing, but you know the penalty shouldn't have shouldn't have happened. So we can still feel a bit aggrieved that we maybe could have gone on to win that. Also, if you think about it, if like I feel, I think McCall mentioned that if they'd been like another ten minutes in that game, then we could have gone on to maybe nick something. Obviously, I know that's fantasy world, but the way we were playing, we did like after we got the goal, we were on top. We did look like the team more likely to score, and it's just a bit unfortunate that it happened so late in the game. It's quite heartening to see as like in years gone by, we would have played that game and lost it, and it's kind of heartening to see that you know we, we are you know we've dropped. We've dropped a goal, went one 0 down, and we've we've brought it back, and we've got a point out of it in a game that necessarily maybe two years ago we wouldn't have, or maybe the last time we played Kilmarnock, if that had happened, I don't think it would have happened. It's quite heartening that where we can, we've shown we can pull it back, albeit for the first time in the season. But you know, it's it's a habit to pick up to turn losses into draws, and hopefully draws into wins down the line as well. So no, um, I think I think we probably should have won. We were the better team. Commander were quite cynical and also didn't deserve a penalty, but you know, it is also a point against a team that, you know, we may have lost at um, a couple of months ago or like last year or whatever. Earlier this week, myself and David were joined by Colin and Andy from the Airdrie podcast Only the Lonely. Dum, dum, dum. Welcome to the OTL podcast. We've got a bit of a special this week. Uh, there's a big cup match on this weekend, as we all know, with, with familiar rivals, Partick Thistle. Uh, there's a Partick Thistle podcast, Draw, Loser, Draw, and we're delighted to be joined uh, by two guests from there, Matt Greer and David Forrest. So so welcome to OTL podcast, guys. Thanks for having us, Colin. Hello, it's good to be behind enemy lines. <laughs> Tell us a bit about Thistle. So we were adversaries last year, um, but obviously you guys won the league, so you've you've gone up uh, and uh, are, are doing quite well in the championship. It would look like. How, how, how do you see the season so far? I think we're we're pretty happy with how it's gone so far. Our squad hasn't changed a great deal from from when we played yourselves last season. I think the only Additions really are the middle of the defence with Mayo and Akinola coming in and they've been really impressive and key to the success we've had. Our defence broke the clean sheet run. Uh, we had seven clean sheets in a row in all competitions. It was eight clean sheets in a row in all competitions, I beg your pardon. And that's really been key to the success. We're fifth in the league, which maybe doesn't sound all that impressive, but we are within touching distance of the playoffs and even a sniff of the title at this stage. So it's really been so far... a a split for the first quarter of the season. There was lots of goals going in either way. Each game seemed to be high scoring. You weren't sure what way it was going to go. It was like shootout games and then we went on that clean sheet run, which obviously meant a long unbeaten run, but there weren't too many goals in the game. So we have tightened up in the last few months. But yeah, I think we're all pretty happy with the season so far. And to tell you a bit about us, I've got uh, our own expert on. So Andrew Duffy's on the line. Andrew, you guys won't know, um, but does a bit of commentary on uh, Downs TV this season and has done some of the interviews with players as well as he's been a long-time panellist for us. So Andrew, give the, the Thistle guys a bit of a, a rundown of, of a much change there, Drew, from, from last season. Yeah, it's, it's interestingly... 
despite what in the end was a fairly successful season for Airdrie, there's been a fairly significant changeover in staff. Probably the biggest turnover in the playing staff that we've had for for a long, long time, certainly is that I can remember going back quite some way. So there's very few players, maybe only a smattering of players like Callum Gallagher, Callum Fordyce, who are there, who were there last season, and Max Curry as well in goals. There's been a significant improvement in the style of football. It was, whilst it proved fairly effective for your last season, finishing just just shy of yourselves, two points off the top and the second best team in the league. Um, it was a bit attritional at times, particularly before the break. There was a lot of uh, games that were <laughs> very difficult to watch, um, even from the comfort of one's own front room. But uh, this season, the style of football, the um, manner of the goals that are being scored um, has been significantly improved. Um, still a bit dodgy at the back from set plays. Um, that gets exposed time and again, but um, the difference in the team in terms of the approach to the game and the way they play the game is pretty miraculous, really. Yeah, uh, we're kind of threadbare as only other bit of intelligence yeah. we give you guys. I mean, we don't have a left back. Uh, we've got uh, Rhys McCabe playing at centre half when most of his career he's been uh, a midfielder, but but it seems to be working. We, we really, I think both teams are coming in on, on decent form. We're five games in a row that we've won, um, albeit obviously a, a, a league below. So uh, I think it's set up quite nicely for, for Saturday. David had a, a Farhill brilliant away day uh, in terms of Airdrie fans' view, but a, a terrible pitch we're here. And what's the, what's the surface like at, at, at the old place? Well, see, uh, we we had um, basically three weeks off. Uh, we've not, before Friday, we hadn't played sin, in, at Farhill since what? The foggy game, the 17th, yeah, the fog game, yeah, and the pitch was an absolute riot. What you could see of it at the time, uh, but that was that was a month ago, um, that we played our second last game at Farhill. The, the pitch has been an absolute riot for quite a while. You've obviously already played on it against Queen's Park, I believe, um, yeah. and you know, obviously, it wasn't that great at the moment. Did how did you do in that game against Queen's Park? Did you no, did no, you struggle with there was a no, no, did you kind of struggle with the pitch? I remember you saying to me earlier that. The um the pitch was kind of something you're a bit concerned about just purely because of the way you play football. Do you did did you find that that was the case against Queens Park when we played them at um for Hill? It was quite early in the season actually. Um bizarrely we've we've met them a few times this season, um, including in the Challenge Cup. But uh, we only played them at for Hill the once so far. We're playing them a week on Saturday at for Hill, so it'll be for Hill. Broadwood for Hill for us because um, we're playing Clyde midweek so we've not played them really since the pitch has got into a bad way um, I certainly noticed that it's, it seemed alright when we played them 0-0 um, in that game but it, it is going back a wee ways now I think maybe September something like that maybe um, October but a wee while ago now whereas I seen it when it was the I watched the game against Kilmarnock and it certainly looked terrible not Dumbarton terrible, but it certainly looked pretty bad on the telly cameras that day. So I am a wee bit concerned by it now. Obviously not helped and largely down to the fact that it's got so many, so many teams playing on it. 
Well, it might not uh, fill you much confidence to know that quite a lot of us in the chat on Friday talked about how improved the pitch looked compared to the last right, time okay. we played on it. So um, <laughs> it was a, it was a proper tatty field um, in like December, and I think I mean it didn't help that we were probably hosing the pitch down to try and get all our games called off when half our players were, <laughs> were isolating and injured and stuff like that. So. It looked a bit better than it certainly than it did. It's noticeable to several people that it was a bit better, but yeah, it was really really bad. I mean, we've got Queens Park playing it and we were not playing it. Um, sometimes it's it's usually the day after us. So you've got two two games in two days. I mean, there was one week where we had three games in three days because we played on the Friday, Queens Park played on the Saturday, and then we had the Women's Cup final um, on yeah. Sunday. It's not the greatest at the moment. They talked about how it wouldn't affect us, but I think it's clear to see for everybody. It's the worst it's been since we had the rugby teams sharing with us, certainly. I think I've not seen it that bad, um, certainly, in the time I've been regularly going. But, um, you know, another another week off some, might give them a bit more um, impetus to actually get the pitch in order, but I highly doubt it. And uh, something I'd said to you, David, before, maybe Matt, one for you, I've got it in my mind that this have never really been that strong a cup team, and I don't mean that that has any effect on Saturday, but for the size of clubs that you are, does it frustrate you that you've not maybe had more exciting cup runs over your, your time supporting the Jags? I think it definitely does. I think that's one of the, the bugbears of fans. I think especially when you look sort of sideways at clubs similar sizes to us, like Ross County, St Johnson, they've all won cups since we last and it's, it's 51 years ago since we last won a cup now it's 20 years since we got to uh, to Hamden in a semi-final as well so so definitely as as an annoyance of fans but I think um, this year we're a, a confident team and I think a confident team can do well in cups uh, we've obviously had two home ties which is important in a cup run and once you get to this stage you're only I think it's three games away from Hamden now so it is a chance I don't think there'll be too much rotation on Saturday I think it'll be a, near enough a full strength team so I, and it, that's what I wondered so you're, you're going well in the league and as you say yes you're fifth but you're very much in touch if you win your games in hand I think it takes you up to like two points off uh, off our growth so what's the mood in the camp do, do you want to fight on all fronts and 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 would you really be disappointed if uh, McCall did make a few changes for uh, for this game I think one or two changes will, will be expected just with we didn't have games for th- three or four weeks there as David said so just to get some minutes and some legs but I think it will be very close if not a full strength team and um, we went out of the League Cup quite early well we went out of the League Cup in the group stages this year um, so we've not really had a cup run yet we went out of the Challenge Cup earlier than I think we'd hoped I think we targeted the Challenge Cup and McCall was playing uh, pretty strong teams in that as well so I think it will be something, a cup run will be something McCall will target, I believe. Um, on that, like, there was an article last week with McCall kind of talked about the last the last sort of last notable cup run that we had. We've got to like quarterfinals. I remember we got a quarterfinal against Aberdeen and, and they put on three buses and stuff like that and it was great. But generally, you get the old firm at Celtic Park or Ibrox or whatever and then you just get dude and that's it. But the last notable one was in 2008-9 um, or 2007-8. Um, we played Rangers in the quarterfinal. We famously went 1-0 up at Ibrox, and as we were all celebrating, trying to take a picture of the scoreboard, they scored to make it one each, and then took it to a replay. Five minutes before the end, we were through and goal, and they, um, they missed 
the goal. And then uh, I think it was Pedro Mendes ran up the other side of the pitch and scored a world day to completely kill it off and just destroy any hopes that we had. And McCall mentioned this. He, he loves the anecdote because he was talking about how he was absolutely crestfallen. And even like to this day, it still upsets him. The fact that that was his moment, that was his chance to get him to Hamden and they lost it. And they talk about how, like, uh, the, 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 joke, the anecdote was that they went into the, the boardroom afterwards or whatever and having a drink with Walter Smith and Alan McCoyst. And um, Alan McCoyst was joking about how he was the greatest 45-year-old footballer in the world because he's got a hat-trick and a testimonial the week before to stick to your McCall up and stuff like that. But you can clearly tell that McCall does put a quite a bit in the Cups. He, I think that he definitely wants to try and win something for us. Uh, whether it be a Challenge Cup, Scottish Cup, whatever, but he, he's there, he wants to bring a trophy here, so I think he will play a full team, I think he is someone who takes the Cup games quite seriously. Uh, another link between the clubs, uh, we'd Kyle Turner for that post-split period uh, last season, uh, and, he, and he was exceptional, and I think he's probably one of the most enjoyable players we've had, albeit we've got, we've got Dylan Easton uh, doing something similar this season. Um, he's not starting every week, so so how's Turner's role been so far at the, at the Jags? To be honest, he's probably struggled just because Bannigan and Doherty are midfield too, and they're in our eyes anyway, we say it on the podcast, probably the best midfield two in the division, and he's, he's not displaced them at all this season. He's been playing when he does play on the right of a, a midfield four, but as you say, he has been in and out of the side, so he's he's not really, we've not really seen the best of Kyle Turner. What we have seen from him is a great set piece delivery. We've scored a lot of goals from his corners and free kicks. He's got a great delivery, um, but he's not really played through the middle at all this season. We do play a 4-4-2 most weeks, and I don't think, unless he's playing in the midfield too, which he never will, if Bannigan and Doherty are fit, he'll really flourish in that. Having said that, though, he's not been, I wouldn't say he's been underwhelming, it's been unfortunate for him, I think, that there's two brilliant players ahead of him, but if he does play, I think you'll need to be aware of the, the set piece that, that we posed from his delivery. I think he was like leader of assists until like, not long ago, like he had the most assists in the league, like for a stupid amount of time, because he scored twice, like two assists against Inverness at the start of the season, and like he was he was leading for quite a while in assists, and yeah, he definitely brings that threat in there. It's always when you see Turner taking a corner or whatever, you always have in the back of your head that you might get something out of it, which is not a feeling I'm used to when when I watch Russell take a corner. To be honest, I was going to mention as well. I think you said earlier, Colin, that you're without a left back on. On Saturday, if you had to pick a position to be without a player for, I think left back's probably the one you would pick because we very rarely attack down the right hand side in open play. Everything comes down our left through through Tiffany. It's Foster that plays at right back, so there's not much overlap down the right hand side, and it's normally Turner, as you say, in the right hand side of midfield. So he's normally cutting in. So all of our threat in open play really does come down the left. That's it seems. Ominously positive for Airdrie. <laughs> uh, any questions you guys have about about Airdrie? Who are the danger men? Who should we be looking out for? What do you reckon, Andrew? Midfield? Yeah, I mean, Frizzle, uh, Adam Frizzle and Dylan Easton, um, they're not the only ones, but those two in particular shouldn't be playing in League One. They're far, far too good for that. It's very similar to the way Kyle Turner looked for us in those post-break fixtures, apart from his first appearance up at Peterhead, where he was 
sent off for a two-footer in like the first two minutes. But it puts me in mind of that. The level that these two guys clearly um, should be playing at is not League One. So the way they connect with each other, the way they seem to have a, an understanding is, is really quite something. And they will be very keen to show and prove that they're good enough to be playing in a division above League One. So Eastie and Frizz are the, definitely the two I would be most concerned about. I know McCall has been at one game recently. Um, I think it was when we battled his Fife. And I think, I'm sure I've seen um, Alan Archibald at the Falkirk game on Saturday there. So they'll, they'll be well aware of that. They'll be well aware of the threat we pose from midfield. Even guys like Reese McCabe, who has actually done brilliantly at centre-half. He's kidding everybody on. He's never played centre-half before, but he slotted in really, really well. His reading of the game and his um, passing range, not to mention his free kicks, um, including that belt that he scored against Motherwell back in the League Cup, um, but he's done it a few times, um, are exceptional. So there's always that. Um, I would definitely, definitely interested to see how those kind of players get on against a team who, I'm looking at the table just now, um, are sitting in a in a good position. Um, only our growth um, have scored more goals than Thistle so far in that league, according to this BBC table. So obviously that that suggests there could well be goals in the match. Um, it will be interesting to see how our better players, who certainly look to be um, coasting League One, um, cope with a much superior opposition. You know, it's all well and good battering Falkirk and Dumbarton and teams like that, but it'll be interesting to see how they get on and how much of their their craft, their skill and their their goal threat is still present in a match against a team who are obviously far superior to anyone that played so far this season in the league. Yeah, I got a question about um, Airdrie. Obviously, you asked us about how we, we sort of see the Cups. I mean, Airdrie got to a Cup final, you know, in, in my lifetime. Um, and obviously, you know, there will be lots of fans and people that who remember it. How, how important do you take the Cups these days? Like, um, oh, both the club and the fans, do you care? Do the club care? Is it just an added payday if you get through? What, what's the feeling? Do you think you'll be playing a full team? Oh, we'll be playing a full team because <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've only got about three subs. Um, so, so it is really a, a pretty threadbare squad. I mean, I think it's, I was lucky enough, um, a wee bit older than Andrew, to be at two Scottish Cup finals in the, by the time I was 10 years old. And just like great occasions for the for the town. Um, like All the shop windows were decked out in red and white. There was three buses running. The, they came back to Old Broomfield after the first one in the the town centre after the second one because we didn't have a stadium at that point uh, and it was just amazing but I think it's just a, a heavy dose of, of realism we've been through the liquidation we're not at a level to compete against Premier Clubs the last few few years we've had really good days out at, at this stage in the Cup so uh, three years ago we played Celtic at Parkhead um, and did look at lost 3-0 but gave a decent showing of ourselves we then got Hearts the next year uh, Hearts under Stendhal were struggling at that point and they, they scudded as 5-0 um, but, but those were good days out I mean, Airdrie took 1,500 I think maybe 1,700 to Tynecastle um, so they've kind of glimpsed off that there is still life in the old dog yet and, uh, and the cup can kind of bring out a feel off that it, 
there is a, a heritage and stuff there that we're, we're still kind of in touch with, um, but I don't expect to, I mean, uh, being brutally honest, I think this will have too much for Airdrie on, uh, on, on Saturday. Um, I just think you'll be a bit better than us in the, the, the areas of the, the pitch where we're, we're weak. Um, if we could get through, it'd be a dream, but it'd be a dream about maybe getting a, a payday uh, and to continue trying to rebuild the club. So I'm, I'm a bit of a realist. Uh, it is amazing when you win a cup run. I just, um, I'd love it to happen, but I just don't see it at the moment. Uh, Andrew, what do you reckon? Yeah, well, I was born in '92, so it's all ancient history to me. The the cup runs, <laughs> the significant cup runs. Uh, to be perfectly honest, the kind of thing that you sort of had a, an awareness of uh, as a as a young kid growing up, kind of on your periphery. But but that was really it. Um, so yeah, I'd love a bit of that. That sounds that sounds nice. Fancy a wee, a wee taste of that. Um, that to be perfectly honest, I think we've got a win in us. Um, it wouldn't be the biggest upset of the round if we get through. I think there will be uh, bigger upsets certainly or potentially on the cards. Looking at the fixtures in this particular round of the cup, but if we can give a decent account of ourselves and avoid getting any injuries to our good players, then I'm, I'm not going to lose that much sleep about it. We've got a week to win, so um, ultimately, if we can get through, fantastic. If it's a good game and we're on them close and nobody gets cut in two, then, then that's absolutely fine with me. Yeah, I think that's it. I mean, we'd be more worried about injuries. If we can get through, you'd hope there's maybe a payday to to strengthen a bit uh, and try and take on Cove who have got loads of money uh, but but I think that's the, the, that's about the height of the ambitions at the moment but but what about you I mean you've mentioned there if you, if you got through uh, I mean Thistle are, are well placed you, you must fancy that the draw could open up for you whatever and, and getting to Hamden is uh, it's not beyond the, the realms of possibility I think we've had so many ties against the old firm in recent years that even hearing about how it could add a player or two in January is sort of not of interest to the fans. We're just, we're just sick of it. I, if we got through, I think we'd be looking for a, a winnable tie at home. Yeah. I don't know about you, David, I, but I that's what I'd be looking for. I, I, I might be wrong on this, Matt, but did we not get like seven out of eight cop exits in a row with to Celtic or Rangers? Yeah, and the other one was to away. Aberdeen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, that was uh, last time we got we got the Scottish Cup quarterfinal. Was against Aberdeen. It was a great day out, and we get absolutely just got our balls felt the whole game. And then it was quite dispiriting coming back. And then ever since, every time we've been knocked out until uh, if we've got to knock out round like four years in a row. I think it was Scottish Cup uh, League Cup. Every single time we get Celtic, and then once or twice we get Rangers to to spice things up a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'd. I'd like to see, you know, I'd love us to go on a wee bit of a run. Obviously, I'd like to see um, us play um, the real Clyde Bank instead of this fake Clyde Bank that that we're playing now. But, uh, yeah, I I want to obviously avoid the old firm. I really don't want Ockham like Tal, but I think they'll probably beat Hearts, to be honest. I I went to see them play Hamilton, and they're they're a match for anybody on their day, and I, I... just do not want, I think we'd absolutely get emptied by Talbot if we got them. So pretty much anybody with them in the old farm I'd be happy with. A, a nice wee day out of Tynecastle or Easter Road probably does me quite fine. 
Um, either that or Cove, because we, we never got to go to Cove, and I'd quite like to go, even though it's meant to be quite terrible. Um, but yeah, I, I, I take a, I take a tie against a lower team at home, if not just some sexy away day, that, uh, but really just not the old farmer Talbot. Well, you're not going to get to Tynecastle if you've got them done to get pumped out by the Talbot. <laughs> well, that is very true. Yeah, I so uh, we'll have to be uh, I'll have to be Easter Road then. I suppose it's, I, I would take Easter Road or Cove. Either or will do fine for me. I'm <laughs> happy with that. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Who, who, who are we going next round? Oh. When we surprise everybody on Saturday. Ah, once we've scudded Thistle, I'll take anyone. Give us an old thumb, right, smash them and all. Give, give us Clyde Bank. I get it right up to you all afternoon. That would be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of those ones where, like, um, if you're, like, I, 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 I think Airdrie fans probably would want Clyde Bank more than Clyde Bank would want Airdrie, in all fairness. But, um, because I think it is it's very much the, the, the Wimbledon MK Dons where Clyde Bank just absolutely don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, I don't know. I think we would probably want to avoid that because it's the kind of cliche stock response you get from everybody. Oh, Clyde Bank. So <clears throat> I imagine the address support would probably be more averse to that tie than, than any other, apart from the fact that would be favourites to get through. You'd fancy us to win that win that match quite comfortably um, so to be honest I don't think we'd particularly want it um, in the way that just because it comes up all the time and because it's not the kind of story we want to be hit over the head with time and time and time again so I don't know if we get you know that would be a BBC game anyone, absolutely. it's all gravy in the cup really isn't it it's all gravy it'd absolutely be the BBC game the one that they put on and they'd have like a really emotional Package at the start about Clyde Bank going out of business and then Poor all Clyde the fans Bank, protesting yeah. and all that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's not what you want. No, definitely. In fairness, we, we do enjoy being asked as the bad guys sometimes, though. So maybe that would yeah, yeah, down to the ground. Uh, but I, I read that there's good nutmeg article, and I didn't realise this. Clyde Bank only got in the the, the, the league setup because they moved East Stirling to Clyde Bank uh, in like 1971 or something uh, and then that all had to be unwound so they uh, they kind of started out as by buying a franchise from elsewhere uh, and then ended in the same way. I'm delighted to see them making a fist off it and the, the guys down there have done a great job. The, the fixture will come around eventually uh, and I don't have that don't have any issue with it. I think it would be uh, it would be a new rival for us, quite heated. Uh, it's, it's going to cause a lot of confusion with all these people who think that we are Clyde Bank when we are playing them. But uh, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that one when it comes. I remember I had a I, um, a friend I used to work with who was a Dumbarton fan, and he said that um, he says, "Oh well, we all hate Airdrie because, as we know, deep down they're dirty banky bastards." <laughs> so you know, you use that so fancy. No, we just hate Airdrie. You don't need to back. We don't. We don't need to make up an excuse. Exactly. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, uh, let's go for a. Will we end on a score prediction. Two two, and then extra time. Uh, I say I'm not. Well, I'm going to say three one Thistle. I'm just don't have a, a good feeling about the the game. Uh, well, you guys, and well, I'm not even pessimist. <laughs> I, I was going to ask do you: Do you have still have those like, exotic players that you signed last year, like the Ukrainian guy and nah, the other guy from nah. like Mordor that just turned <laughs> up? 
Because they've got CF not, they they probably would have scored. Do you have any ex Thistle players that of note? Was Agnew at Thistle at any point at one of his clubs? No, Scott nah. Agnew. If you don't have any ex Thistle players in the squad, then I'm going to say six 0 Thistle. Um, if you do have um, ex Thistle, if you do have ex Thistle players in the squad, it will be one 0 91 minute. Whoever it was that played for Thistle for their trade, that's going to be my uh, results. But in all serious, I'd probably say it's going to be two 0 yeah, That was all yeah. starting to sound a wee bit Falkirk Q and A, to be honest. What right. we? Were the ex players always raise their game against? Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, no, we we like the two. I think two years ago, we every game we played there was an ex Thistle player in there, and like you couldn't count on your hands the amount of times that like an ex Thistle player was scored against us. I used to routinely bet on an ex Thistle player scoring against us and the team winning in that season, and I won quite a lot of money from doing Coined it because it, it was just yeah, because it was when Chris Dolan first game for air against us, I think I won like £210 or something like that because he scored and then uh, won, <laughs> uh, won the game for Air United, so it was like, yeah, um, it used to be a running joke for so long that if an ex-Vistle player was in the team, they absolutely would score and be us. Yeah, there's still a few few days between now and the game, we should try and sign one. I'll try to think who. Uh, Jerry Britton, Jerry Britton to do a job for his director of football. Andy a shock cr- return to Scott. <laughs> Shocker turn to Scottish football from Matthias Pogba showing up at your face. Where's Scott McDonald these days? And Kenny Miller's on the Falkirk bench, eh? Uh, what were you, Matt? Uh, I predicted 1-1 on Friday night, and that was my first correct score prediction of the season, so I'm on a roll now. I'll go 1-0, Thistle. I think we will just have enough, but the games on the Fur Hill pitch recently haven't been the greatest, and I can see it being another sort of tight affair, so I'll go 1-0, Thistle. Cool. Right, guys, thanks for your time. Um, we'll, we'll see how the game goes on Saturday. Uh, best luck with your your season after that, uh, and but but just not too much luck for uh, for the big game. Thanks, guys. Cheers. A new romance, no more sorrow, but that's the chance. David, I'll stick with you just now. Saturday is the first game of 2022 that we'll have uh, as many fans as we can get in for how um, the restrictions on capacity will be lifted for the Airdrie game in the Cup. Will you be going and what sort of game are you expecting? Yes, I'll be going. Um, I, I do. I always enjoy the Scottish Cup regardless of who we get outside of maybe the old firm. And even then, you, the, the blood kind of gets pumping at the idea that you may actually beat them. Obviously, you never do, but you know. Um, no, definitely I'll be going. Um, Thistle versus Airdrie is always about a historically a spicy tie. Um, I don't know how much that translates to 2022, but I mean we've been chatting about you know stamping an Airdrie audience fans' heads for about six months now, so you know it, it, it's probably going to be a bit of a, a feisty encounter. Jamie, are you concerned at all about a potential fixture pileup? We do have, I think it's three games now that we'll need to rearrange in the league, and cup progression is only going to add to that. Do you think McCall will have that in his mind or do you think it'll be all guns blazing you quite happy to go as far in the cup as possible? I mean, I'm sure he's thought of both outcomes. If we do go far in the cup, it does add 
more games onto, like you've already mentioned, like the postponed games, and they're going to end up probably with a bit of a fixture backlog. But if you think back to last season, I know all teams were in the same position with uh, a lot of fixtures, like playing like sometimes two or three times a week. But that's when we went on a great run of form, was when there was a big backlog of fixtures. It is our chance to actually be able to build some real momentum. You don't have to wait a week till the next game. You've got if you have two games a week, you know you've got that ability to really garner some momentum and do something with it. But then again, it does run the risk of injuries. And you know our pitch can't really take a beating of like two games a week at points. You know it will start getting torn apart, especially if Queens Park are playing on it. So sometimes it could possibly, if we do a fixture battle, being used three times in the space of a week if they have a midweek game as well. So which would definitely not be ideal. It's looking bad enough of it since that. So, you know, there's, there's upsides and downsides to both, but you're never going to turn down a cup run, are you? Like, I know when you get knocked out, I, I say it every time, like, oh, now it's time to focus on the league, that's a bread and butter. But, which, is, you know, it does have truth in it, but you always want a cup run as well. If you'd like a favourable run, I know it seems to always be that we draw Celtic or Rangers, but this time we've managed to avoid them and, you know, we've got Airdrie at home. This is a winnable tie. I think it'll be a tough one. I think it'll maybe I think we'll win, but I think only by one, two goals max. I think it'll be quite a tight, tight KG affair maybe, but we'll have to wait and see see how the pitch holds up if that makes for good football or not. But I hope that we get through and we get a favourable draw again, either a good new away day if someone gets through that allows that, or a home tie against favourable opposition, to be honest. And, rather leave the exciting ties to later in the competition if we get there. So I hope for cup progression, but we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Yeah, no, I agree. I, th- I think the winning the game on Saturday will be the priority over any uh, concerns about fixture pile. And I think winning the game as well, it could be the difference between bringing in a player or not, this transfer window, it could provide the money. Obviously, we lost out on the 350000 um, compared to the Championship Clubs last season when that money was handed out. So a cup run and an away game at a big ground could be the difference between getting a player in or not. Which brings me to a question that I'm going to ask you, Mark, because you've not been on the podcast in a while. Where do you think we still need to strengthen in the squad this month, if at all? And do you have any names in mind that we should be looking at? I think um, what <clears throat> kind of what we've alluded to in recent weeks is I think we need depth in attack. And also another option at fullback. Uh, I know that um, Ricky Foster's not been bad or anything like that, and we do have Kieran McKenna who can play there. But I wouldn't like to see like any kind of injury crisis where it leads to Akinola being shunted out to right back because even though we can play there, like it'd be quite nice to have someone else that we can call on in that position. So, like, so a, not necessarily a number 10, but like another winger, another striker. I don't know what uh, people's opinions are on McKeever, but, like, I feel like the drop-off between Rudden, Graham, and, like, Mc, say, McKeever and, Con- and Connor Murray, and that's not saying that McKeever and Connor Murray are bad players, but it's quite a steep uh, drop-off. We can run the risk of having to rely on players who are not in and getting bit part minutes in every game. So I know you're a big football manager player, Mark, so if we were bringing a striker in, would you be bringing in a poacher or a target man? I would probably go for a poacher. I think Rudden and Graham give us a physicality in the box that uh, is very difficult to deal with. Not necessarily target men, 
as such, but they do have the strength and speed. Uh, so I think someone who can just get them in just for short range would do us. I think we, the way we play, having the ball just drop in the box and have somebody that can fire them in first time, I think that is what we need. A poacher more than a target man, because I think Graham and Rudden do that role in different ways themselves. I agree, I agree. I think McKeever as well, in, in fairness to him, I know he's not everybody's cup of tea, but he did win every header, I think, when he came off the bench on, on Friday. I think he can sort of be that be that target man as well. David, Jamie, I don't know if you want to come in on any, any transfer targets, any players you've got your eye on? I feel that our only position where we don't have a I think I think you could make an argument for nine or ten of the places being sewn up uh, in the team. Um, I think the only one that's not really um, is right mid. I could you can make an argument for right back, but um, you know I, I'm probably higher on Foster than most people. Um, but I wouldn't be upset if we brought in another right back. But I think the right mid is one that we've kind of mixed and matched. We've put players in. We've had Smith. We've had Turner. Uh, Connor Murray, even a JK Stephen Wood who is now went away and all that, but we've never found a guy who's really grabbed the mantle and taken that spot. And I think that if I was signing somebody, that probably would be my focus point, just because a lot of the other team is kind of sewn up. And yeah, you do need a bit of depth, and that's absolutely fair enough. But you probably do need a signing that's going to be an established first team player. In, in addition to, I don't, I don't think it's worth a while just signing for depth at this point. I think we do need somebody on the right to kind of really establish themselves in that role. Jamie, have you still got your eyes on Tony Andrew, or has, has your heart moved on? No, 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 Tony Andrew, that that, that length over. No, I don't think we're getting him. Uh, there's no specific players anymore. I'd mentioned in the chat that I thought maybe people call might go in for Kai Kennedy because he wanted them in summer, but obviously he's gone to Aki, so. That's not happening. The two possessions that I've been, you know, I feel I'm going to end up, this would become the new Tony Andreo uh, right mid striker. I think we do need another one of both. You know, I think we do lack that right mid option. We stuck Smith out on the right, put Turner out on the right. You know, with Conor Murray, who I actually like this season, and I think he's getting a bit more game time sometimes, but it's hard for him to break into the team right now, to be fair. But he can be, he can obviously be used like right mid as well. But I do think off the bench, we do kind of lack that bit of pace out wide to bring on you know we've obviously got Tiffany who starts games who's you know very pacey but we don't really have that person off the bench that we can bring on and the other one is the striker I like McKeever I like aspects of his game but I've said this before I mean, don't want to just keep repeating myself but you know he's not he isn't a goal scorer he's not scored a goal this season but he's been involved he's got assists he's, I do like aspects of his game but he isn't that natural goal scorer that we can bring off the bench that will maybe chip in with like five goals a season or something and I think getting that you know, getting that extra striker in, getting that winger in, that would see us through to the end of the season. I don't think we need to add anything more. Unless McCall's possibly looking at another goalkeeper after Stones being recalled, but I doubt it with the fact we've recalled McCready. He might just be looking to use him as the backup and just keep Sneddon in because it's going to be difficult for anyone to displace Sneddon this season, bar injury. 
I'm glad you mentioned um, Stone there, Jamie, because it's not Harry Stone that's made me think of this, it's Jake Hasty. I saw a post in the Facebook group, a, a real good post in the Facebook group from my Vincent Ferguson, and he asked who's the worst low knee we've ever had, which I think we are going to do an episode on this month, try and make a, a worst low knees 11. So if you are listening and you have any suggestions to make uh, an 11 of party Thistle players of all time who are the worst low knees we've had, please get in touch and we will try and include as many as possible in that episode, which will hopefully go out this month. That was a decent half hour. Does anyone have anything else that is about football before we move on that they want to talk about? Just while we're here, I just wanted to give a wee shout out. I went to Thistle Women's Play today against Motherwell uh, down the road for me. And it was an end-to-end game. It was two each. Um, it was a scream of a free kick to make it 1-0 for Thistle. Everything you could want from a game, really. Like a, a, a fantastic game to just rock up and see without any expectations. So I, I, I could laugh at a game. I, I did enjoy it, and um, yeah, I thought Thistle were really quite good. Um, but yeah, just everything you could want on a, just a normal game. The women are doing quite, are certainly doing better than I would have expected them to, given they got promoted on short notice. They're out of the bottom too. They've taking points off sides who had established the top flight. They're coming along, they're learning with every... I suppose you can only learn from these reversals they've had against the be- the bigger teams. The only teams who have properly hammered them have been Rangers and, and Glasgow City, and Rangers and Glasgow City are t- the two best teams in the division. So there's a lot of positives there. And if they can stay up this season, then it's a massive achievement for Brian Graham and... And for Ross Doherty, if they can do that, that would be truly remarkable, given uh, this is Graham's first proper coaching opportunity and how short notice the the girls were were put into the top division. And speaking of Brian Graham, I just want to give a shout out that you can clearly see his managerial philosophy because we rip the arse out of throw-ins so bad. We take so many yards off throw-ins that we should not be taking and have to get hit back by the referee. He did it every time, and it swells my heart with pride every time. He's absolutely taking the piss, and it is very much. A, it feels. I don't think. I don't think I ever can remember Brian Graham taking pro ones, but it's definitely a thing that he's instilled in him, and I, I personally fucking love it. Yeah, because I talked about when we were covering the women's games at the end of last season, and like I mean, I mentioned that like there's a lot of like. The traits when it was Foster, Graham, and 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 Doherty who were playing, there were a lot of like, the traits of the of the three of them and how they how they wanted the girls to play, like they had that cagey but confident uh, defensive play for Foster, the neat passing that Ross Doherty instilled in them, and then just the absolutely ruthless attack. Uh, that Graham's instilled in them. There's like there's there's a clear sort of philosophy and how he wants the how how he wants the girls to play, and they're clearly responding to it in in great in great fashion. They're through to the next round of the cup uh, after beating Motherwell in penalties last week. They drew with Motherwell today. Uh, certainly a lot to be quite optimistic about with the women going forward for me. If you two didn't catch it on Friday night, there was a really good uh, piece on sports scene with Brian Graham. And he was talking about his managerial career to date. And there was a couple of interviews with the players as well, just talking about him and the stick they get. So if, if you've not seen that, catch that up on iPlayer, because it's a, it's a really good wee segment at halftime. We'll move on to our Partridge Thistle section this week then. So for Partridge Thistle, there was a tweet by Tom Butler on the 12th of January that said, 
So we need a new James Bond, a new Doctor Who, and now a new Prime Minister. Is there anyone who could feasibly do all three? So I'm going to ask you, could anyone do all three who has represented Partick Thistle past or present? And David, as you were praised, rightly praised last week for your answers on Partick Thistle, I will come to you first on that one. So which current or ex-JAG do you think could pull off being James Bond, Doctor Who and the Prime Minister all at once? See, I, I struggled with all three. I had an answer for each of them. I think it would be quite good, but I did struggle um, for all three because they kind of encompass different things. It's, it is a broad um, church that you need to cover if you're going to do all three. Um, I'll give you, I'll give, I'll give you my three. Uh, I didn't even notice that broad church David Tennant. I that it wasn't even a pun. Aye, there you go. Um, I, I'll give you my three individual ones and I'll have a wee think just now. So, to, to kind of give you my, my thinking as to what they should be. So, um, I thought James Bond, what do, what do I know about James Bond? Um, he's a hard man. He likes a drink. He's a head case and he's a womanizer. So, of course, Chick Charmley would be uh, my James Bond's, uh, for there. I think. Doctor Who, if I had to pick a Doctor Who, John Lambie would be a fantastic Doctor Who, and I'll have no one say anything against that. I think John Lambie's Doctor Who would be fantastic. Imagine him up against the Cybermen would be great. Um, would he have pr- a pigeon as a companion? Oh, absolutely. Like a robot pigeon like K9? Aye. <laughs> That'd be great. Aye, that was, I know I'm making myself sound like somebody's dad talking about like K9 from Doctor Who, but yeah, like John Lambie's Doctor Who with a thistle scarf. Basically, I want John Lambie's like Tom Baker either Horror Channel, Doctor Who. Um, yeah, it's it's a very seventies appointment, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And in terms of Prime Minister, I'd probably go for Squiddy purely because he's he's hit the the holy grail for political weirdos in Facebook comments, and that he's the first ever footballer who's going to get paid a fireman's wage. I, I that's that's my three, but I'm kind of struggling for ones for all three. I think. Jamie, you got any ones for this one? Now, uh, it's my guy Joe Cardo. Die in the hill that he should have been kept this season, but uh, and I think he rocks the he rocks the tuxedos that Bond wears. You know, he's got he's got the smile to so convince anyone of anything when he's prime minister. And you know, the tenth doctor has a quality haircut. And, you know, I think Joe Cardo Joe Cardo uh, goes to a top tier barber, so he's become the doctor as well. So man, uh, Joe, Joe Cardo can do anything. He's what a hero. Mark, any suggestions? Quite like David, I had like one different ones in mind for each role. Like for me, like James Bond, he's handsome, impeccable fashion sense. Um, we makes the woman weak at the knees. Gabby Piccolo. Um, Aye, uh, that was would Gabby one Piccolo translate to Doctor Who? I don't know. I don't know, but I think he would fit the whole. Um, the Prime Minister. In fact, you know what? Fuck it, Gabby Piccolo, because you've get he's just a handsome, handsome bugger. And like he can he'll pull off that solemn, dignified statesman role as the Prime Minister. And I could see him being a a sort of aloof doctor. Uh I don't I'm not familiar with Doctor Who at all, so I could see him being like all kind of a wee bit vainglorious, but ultimately we are heart of gold, and just he would he would suit being James Bond out of the ground with the the tiny swimming trunks and the and just looking just smouldering every every time you look at him. 
This is like what like the guy quit playing football for Thistle to be a model and like fucking hell he didn't half kick it kick it out the park. I, I like the call and I think it's about time we had a, a foreign doctor who I think would be an interesting take on the character. Uh, my, my suggestion would be, of course, the man that played in just about every position for Thistle. So why couldn't he not do these three jobs? It would be Chris Taylor. He's done just about everything. He's played centre back. He's played up front. Seven out of ten performer across the board. He's got that northern accent that all good doctors have. So there you go, Chris Taylor. I, I honestly thought you were going to say Kenny Miller there for a minute. I'm like, if you're not, I um, no, I've got one. Uh, one really, you know, came came to me there that absolutely just the most glaringly obvious one. You know, who could be James Bond, Doctor Who, and the Prime Minister all at one? Ian McCall would be a cracking James Bond. And he'd be, I think he'd be a good laughing Doctor Who. And um, Prime Minister McCall, I mean, he literally spent his Christmas Day feeding the elderly at Farhill once. He's, he's a good guy, so I definitely, there we go, Ian McCall. I would vote Ian McCall. As always, thank you very much for joining us on Draw, Lose or Draw. We will be back next week to look back on our cup tie against Airdrie and look ahead to our trip to our broth. In the meantime, stay safe. <laughs>